0: Thank you so much, those on the platform, Colossians chapter 4. And um, we are conducting uh, prayer meetings on Tuesdays between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. up through the election, uh, which is November 8th. So for a couple more Tuesdays, in case you were wondering, that is happening. So you're free to come at whatever time on a Tuesday from 11 to 1, anytime in there. We're just really laying a hold of God. Consecrating ourselves, so remember that. Colossians 4, we are in a very fascinating election season. And what makes this election so fascinating is that you have an outsider that is the Republican nominee. Now for anyone that's been paying attention, it has been ugly, nasty, and mean-spirited... Above and beyond the mean, ugly, nastiness that every election holds. Because the issue is that of an outsider possibly getting into the White House. Now, an outsider is a non-politician that is not a part of the political establishment. This is what I'm talking about. And for an outsider or a non-politician to win threatens everything that is currently how politics work. This is the reason there's such an intensity here, because if an outsider gets into the White House, it stirs up uh, the status quo. And it's very simple in the terms that Donald Trump, and this is not any sort of endorsement, I'm just making an illustration. But he is a major threat to the status quo on Capitol Hill in the political circle that resides at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. And you begin to realize that people will go to great length to protect their status quo. What do I mean by that? Status quo is very simply the way things are or an existing condition or the current state of affairs. The status quo. And people work very hard to establish things in a certain way and do not like you to stir their nest. Amen. And new ideas and solutions are not readily welcomed among those that are following status quo. Fresh challenges are not readily received where people are following the status quo. Now, I want to fold all of this into a particular area concerning the church, and that is the area of ministry. I want to preach on breaking through the status quo of ministry. Colossians 4, verse 17, one verse. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Breaking through the status quo of ministry. I want to first talk about the privilege of ministry. Now in our text, we encounter a man named Archippus. Archippus has a position of ministry that is being referred to in this text by the Apostle Paul. And here's the very last thing in this epistle that Paul does. Is he ends up speaking or mentioning this man's ministry... And reminds him or asks others to remind him or highlight his position and responsibility concerning that position. And by virtue of this mention, it really does speak to us as Paul really is highlighting the privilege of ministry. The privilege. It's an old saying that ministry is not a right, it's a privilege. And everyone thinks... uh, That they should have ministry. And by all means. uh, We push for everyone to want ministry. But ministry is not a right. It is a privilege. In the book of 2nd Corinthians chapter 8. Verses 3 and 4. For I bear witness that according to their ability. Yes. And beyond their ability. They were freely willing. Imploring us. With much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now the NIV really kind of nails this. It says they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And so here is a segment of people that an opportunity to serve was there. And to them this was an amazing privilege. Now, when you have a sense of privilege, you lose the position of entitlement or that somehow you're doing everyone a favor by what you do. But that's something we have to deal with. I remember as a young convert, so badly just wanting to do something, anything that was associated with the functioning of the church, we just wanted it. I had four weeks of vacation back there that the military would give, and those were the days that the Tucson Conference was twice a year. So twice a year, I would take two weeks at a time. One of those weeks would be spent at Tucson Conference, and the other week was just doing things around the church, just in an attempt to do something that had to do with the functioning of the church, because that was our heart. Far too many view ministry or involvement in the church as nothing more than an infringement or an inconvenience. Which causes me, of course, to question some things about them. So think about the whole unfolding of, of the book of Acts, chapter 6. And, and the church is exploding in revival at this time. And this presents all these needs because anytime a church is growing, there's going to be a lot of needs associated with that. So this church is, is blowing open with revival, these needs, and one particular tension point rose up that needed attention. Seven men to fill a need to minister to a situation involving widows. Now, on the one hand, not everyone was qualified to fill that need. And it wasn't that uh, they couldn't do it, but there were certain spiritual qualifications for that particular need. But the one thing that is very evident as you read that is there was far more than enough that put their names out there as candidates uh, for the privilege of ministering to this need in the church. Now, it should be that in every person's heart here, That they're looking to find a place to serve in the congregation long term. That's a key phrase there. Long term. Something that we can lock our lives into. And make it a point that we function. Meeting needs of the church. Meeting needs of people. And that our intention is to stay there long term. Now the whole ending of the epistle to the Colossian church is spent. Highlighting people who have served and are still in their places serving God's purposes. He mentions Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. He mentions Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. Aristarchus. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, remember him? He's the one that at one time had taken his hand off the plow and now is back in his place of ministry, functioning and fulfilling. He mentions justice. And to all of these, he says in Colossians 4.11, these are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God. That Here were faithful ministers still in their place ministering, And growing in their service to God. This is the way that that chapter ends. I read this quote. It said, the person that God uses has a heart for God. Ministry demands personal sacrifice. Is faithful in obscurity or when no one sees. Life isn't looking for the best deal. It is steadfast in discouragement and setbacks. And being able to labor in disappointment. You know, when ministry is a privilege, you don't easily cast it to the side or dismiss it in the trials of life or purity for convenience sake or because it's getting in my way. And this is something we have to come to grips with tonight because I fear that too many have lost the sense of privilege it is uh, to minister for God and either either you minister for God with an attitude uh, or you're just not interested in ministering at all. I can fully appreciate the new convert that comes to me and they want ministry and they're told you need to wait six months and get established in the church. And at that six month mark, they're right there at my desk with their pen ready to sign up. Now let me say this, because that's very refreshing, very refreshing, especially when it can be very hard to move people towards ministry or sacrifice of any real level. Let me say this, it's a long road, and the glamour of ministry wears off, and the reality of sacrifice and inconvenience sets in, and this is where ministry must be a privilege or we will kick it to the curb. It's true. So let me talk then secondly about falling into a rut. So in our text, Paul places emphasis on Archippus and his ministry. Now we're not told why Paul calls him out like this. Now some have surmised that perhaps he was implying that this man was... Remiss in the performance of his duties. But there's nothing that really gives us evidence of that. Could be. I mean we are left to interpret it. But it doesn't seem to be. But I do believe it can certainly be said. That Paul meant to encourage him. And excite him. To increased ardor or zeal in the work of the Lord. Because it's very possible that. You go along the way and you're going to have to kind of regenerate some zeal for what you're doing in God. How I many you know what I'm talking about. And maybe even to stir him out of the mode of status quo. The truth is you can be in ministry, but not be fulfilling your ministry. You're performing your duties... But you lost the zeal and the love for the ministry that is associated with it. There's nothing driving you to sacrifice anymore or to go the extra mile. how many know those are qualities that have to be in the ministry ranks? And what happens over time, if we're not careful, is we fall into a rut in ministry or we simply accept... The status quo, is the way things are. And God helped the person that comes along and stirs the nest. This is the way we do it in this ministry, bro. <laughs> now, this is where leadership comes into the picture. If you're a leader of a ministry, you don't have the luxury of losing your zeal or settling for the status quo. You can do it, but you really don't have the luxury to do it. Because you'll end up doing that ministry a major disservice. And you will not be challenging those under you to grow and be inspired for what they're doing. Because you settle for status quo. Everyone under you, with few exceptions, will settle for status quo. We can get into a horrible rut of presenting God less than our best. Right? See, this is what Cain did. In Genesis 4, 2 through 5. So here, she bore again, this time the brother of Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought The first fruits of his flock and their fat. The Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was angry and his countenance fell. So, So here's a case of kind of bringing whatever or bringing less than you know is required. And the problem was that Cain became angry when he's called out on it. You know, it is revealing About a person or a potential disciple. When you call them out on negligence. Or begin to challenge to a higher level. And all you feel is their resistance and their attitude. Because that's not what they want. They've developed a rut. They've developed a status quo type of approach to ministry. uh, least possible that I have to put forth. uh, And least possible that has to impose upon me. Let me say again that leaders that never challenge the people under you to a higher level or require faithfulness and wholeheartedness, you're doing a disservice to them and to your ministry. And you're going to begin to hear a lot of grumblings in your ministry. You're going to begin to see factions in your ministry because there's those that are paying a price and giving themselves and those that just seem to be able to do what the heck they want to. See, ministry is demanding. We, we all understand that. And a person will become weary of the constant call to grow and to hold standards of faithfulness and sacrifice if you don't maintain freshly, a freshly inspired approach. Because we'll do what we do without any real zeal or inspiration. We're just kind of, we know how to do it. Done it long enough, we're just kind of throwing it together uh, and out it goes. Uh, but that's not right. Not over the long haul. I realize we all go through modes and we have to stir ourselves, but but not to allow that to settle as a status. This is when ministry becomes a burden and not a blessing. So I want to point to three Fatal approaches to ministry. Three fatal approaches to ministry. The first of those is the casual approach. This is the approach that when embraced will cause people to not allow ministry to infringe upon them in any serious way. We have the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. So this one man is given the least of all of them. He's given one. So it's not a lot to have to deal with. The one talent man did absolutely nothing with it. Because in order to increase that talent, which was not his, by the way, and his mentality was, why am I going to put all this effort into something that benefits you? And so so he's given this talent... But this would had to infringe upon his own goals and his own pursuits in life, so he buried the talent. So we could say he simply maintained what he had, but he did nothing to make it better. Which is important because what we really want to see in the ministry is that it's getting better and better. It's growing in inspiration, it's growing in ideas. This man did nothing with it. And you know what? He was called unfaithful. He didn't go backwards with it. He didn't decrease in it. He just maintained and he's called unfaithful. When you approach the things of God in ministry, in particular, in a casual manner, you will only offer up a minimal amount of sacrifice And eventually you will become a dead weight to that ministry. Some of you are feeling the effects and maybe you didn't know it, but you're going to point it out tonight. Your light's going to go on. You've been feeling the pull of the tension of your ministry trying to get. And what it is, there's dead weight in your ministry. It's people that aren't pulling their weight, no pun intended. And they are simply kind of just there. Can't be relied on beyond just showing up and doing the bare minimum. It's a casual approach. And every ministry needs sacrifice and a high level of inspiration in order to flourish people that can be relied on to pay a price. Amen. So the second fatal approach is the carnal approach. These are the people that toe the line as close as possible Without going over it. Although that's really kind of impossible. In your mind you think that you're not going over. But you do all the time. But that's just the mentality. Now God was very particular about this. When it came to the ministry of the tabernacle. In the wilderness. So God lays out these regulations for. Those that were ministers in the tabernacle. Let me read a little segment in Leviticus. Leviticus. 22, 1 through 3. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Speak to Aaron and his sons. These are the ministers, the priesthood. That they separate themselves from the holy things of the children of Israel. And that they do not profane my holy name by what they dedicate to me. So in other words, they were going about this in a very carnal manner. For I am the Lord. Say to them. Whoever of all your descendants throughout your generations who goes near the holy things which his children of Israel dedicate to the Lord, while he has uncleanness upon him, that person will be cut off from my presence. I am the Lord. Well, God hasn't changed his mind about this. And if you read the book of Romans, you can read the Bible says that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And so when we minister carnally and maintain carnal attitudes and secretly violate ministry standards and are not living consecrated, it becomes a defilement to that ministry because you're ministering in an unclean manner. Now let me say this, and I'm not picking on anybody in particular, but this has to be said. I cannot preach this sermon without saying what I'm going to say. Let me say this to the teenagers and young adults. Overall, but particularly that are in our children's ministries. Because those little kids that you are teaching are going to catch your spirit. And when this really hit me, and the reason I'm saying is because when my grandson began to write, it dawned on me, this kid idolizes teenage boys in the church. Which I'm fine with, as long as you're keeping a good testimony. And so they're there, and, and you're, if, you're, if you're there, and you're funky, and you're carnal, and you don't pray, and, and you're all worldly, and you have a double life, that spirit's going to impose upon our children and our grandchildren. I don't like that. And if I find out that's happening, I will be an advocate against you, by the way. But that's just a little side thing. So here's Esau's approach to his birthright. He was a carnal man. And in a moment of time. Allowed that carnality to cause him. To forfeit something of great value. Now I am concerned. Not everybody okay. But I am concerned. About the status of our young people in ministry. Because many of them do live a double life with double standards and a carnal approach to life yet fill our ministry ranks. And when you function carnally, you profane ministry. It's unacceptable. And it's really up to leaders to sniff that out, detect that, sense that, and deal with it. So the third approach... That is fatal is the entitlement approach. People that feel they are entitled to ministry. Based upon some talent or ability. Or by virtue of how long you've been in church. Now all of those are good things. And we want those things. We want people of certain talents to fulfill ministries that their talents are good for. That's that's what we want of course. We're, We're not suggesting we would rather have people that don't know what they're doing. But I'd rather have somebody that doesn't know what they're doing with a good spirit than somebody that does know what they're doing with a funky spirit all day long. It could take your talent and go play downtown and open your little thing and get money because it's useless around here if it's the wrong mentality. Amen. Just say amen. Just help me anyway. (laughs) You know, it's the old saying, everyone is replaceable. You know, we, we think that we're just the most irreplaceable person. With No, 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 no. Trust me. I've been around too long now. And I've had to replace way too many people with lesser talent, lesser ability. But it worked. It worked. Because this entitlement approach is, is fatal. We have the parable... Of the workers in the vineyard. And, and all these men are hired at different times during the day. And, and they're all promised the same wage. But they don't all know it initially, right? So, so he's, he's getting these guys to work all day in the sun. I mean, sweating and laboring in one denarii. And then this guy, hanging around all day. And one hour, and he goes. And then time comes, and he starts paying them. And he's paying them all the same. So those that worked longer had a real issue with this, although they got what they were promised. And in Matthew 20, verses 10 through 12, but when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. But they received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner. They said the last minute had worked only one hour. You've made them equal to us. Oh, my gosh. Somebody's actually equal to us. God help us. Equal to us who have borne the burden and the heed and the sacrifice and the driving of ministry. (laughs) Don't worry. God will help us at the altars. You know, it's supposed to be the longer that we're saved, the more humility is becoming evident in our lives. The More humility. And the more that we become about others, which is what ministry is all about. It's not about you. It's not about me, myself and I and showing everybody how amazing you are. Because that will wear off really fast. We must avoid the pitfall of feeling as though we're owed more. And and by all means, God does take this stuff into consideration. But let me say it anyway. That we're owed more due to our years of faithfulness. Or somehow because we've been in a ministry for so long. That we feel we no longer have to pay as high of a price or Follow the standards so closely, or be as inspired or as faithful, because you know I've already bore the sweat of the day, and now it's these guys' turn. Wrong answer. 100% wrong answer. No entitlements in that sense. That is a fatal approach to ministry. So let me then talk about flourishing in our ministries. So in our text, Colossians 4.17, Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you fulfill it. Archippus was a long-standing brother in the church. Some believe he had more of a pastoral type ministry, but he definitely had a reputable ministry. And what Paul says applies to all of us. Fulfill Your ministry. Now whether that is those that have sidelined themselves. And are no longer contending for anything. You're a pew filler. And that's as far as it goes. Fulfill your ministry. What is it? It's not for me to say. But let's take it for a moment to those that are in ministry. And God bless you and thank you for your ministry. This is not in any way a put down or a chastising or any of that sort. It's just a challenge. But this word fulfill means to cram, to level up, execute, or finish. And the NIV says, complete the work you have received. And the message says, do your very best. In order for us to fulfill this call, it will require that we stay highly inspired about what we're doing for God. And I realize, again, we go through modes and seasons, and and those are all understandable ebbs and flows of life, but not to hunker down into a setting and never get back. That's not acceptable. If we're going to fulfill our ministry, we're going to have to stay inspired for God, giving ourselves to grow. First, spiritually, spiritually, Which will equate into a continual growth into your ministry. Because when people stagnate and stall and turn to status quo in their ministry. It's because something in their spirit is stagnated and stalled. Because I I see people throughout life. And I see it in the kingdom. And I see it out of the kingdom. That are really inspired. You know, think about what always boggles my mind. No matter how many times I read it. No matter how many times I preach about it. Is Caleb. And how he went through 40 years in a bad situation, an uninspiring situation. I mean, knowing that nothing good would come for 40 years because of these people's unbelief. Yet when that was done, he had just as much zeal for his inheritance as he had 40 years earlier. And now he's up in his age. So that tells me it can be done. It's so easy to come to a place that we got it all down. And and on one hand, that's a good thing because we become experienced at what we do. But what I'm talking about is you got it all down. and You know how to go through it. Least amount that you got to put into it. Least amount you have to give yourself to. Least amount of sacrifice. Well, real ministry never comes to that place. Can I tell you that? Real ministry. It never comes to a place where it's just, we're just slowing now. it, It gets easier. Sure, it does. It's not as hard. You know, I remember when I first came on staff, the first eight months, I mean, it was hectic trying to figure this thing out, man, trying to figure you out. I mean, this was like crazy. I mean, I'm killing myself. My wife wondered if I still lived at our house. I was gone so much all the time. You know, but it, it got easier in the sense of knowing how. But God help me if, if I ever sit back and say, I got it now. Got it. Because that will bleed over. We, we need to be flourishing in what God has given us. Versus coming to a place that we're not giving much effort or thought we're paying a price to be highly inspired anymore which by the way i know you're not going to like to hear this but being highly inspired produces more work in your life the thing we're trying to avoid cuz man i'm getting older right i'm getting older man and and i get it we do slow down <laughs> we go to bed earlier so don't call me past 10 unless it's an absolute emergency and if you're you're really you can call but don't do it just Some goofy thing that you didn't get away until the morning. Because we got to get our sleep, man. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) But at the end of the day, we still have to stay highly inspired. That's the beauty of Pastor Stevens, Pastor Mitchell, Pastor Warner. All the leaders we know, they, they keep that. It's there. It's there before us all the time. Challenging us. We have to be able to continually challenge ourselves to keep growing, enacting fresh inspiration, initiating fresh levels of sacrifice for our ministry. Word to the leaders and then I close. It is incumbent upon you as a leader of a ministry To keep the bar just a little bit higher than where people are living at all times. Otherwise, your ministry will become in danger of falling into a mode of status quo. And we need to be flourishing at our ministry, whatever that is. Speak to Archippus. Tell him to fulfill his ministry. That's a word for the generations, and that's certainly a word for us tonight. And that's the challenge that's at this altar. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. As our hearts are open, I want to first make an appeal to those here that are not right with God. You may not have gotten a lot out of what I just said. You rarely go to church. Maybe this is your first time. But Let me say some things that will make it clear to you things that will help you. You're not right with God. We're not asking you to join a church or just become religious. This is about what Jesus called being born again. You're going about your life. You're born into a world of sin. You're born into a life of sin. And there is absolutely no way to undo that except for through Jesus Christ. You can try being the best person in the world. You can go through institutions. You can clean up your act. Whatever. You still have a sin problem. This is why Jesus had to die. It was the only possible way that men and women could come back to God. And you're here tonight. And you would be very honest. Between you and God. You'd be very honest. I am not right with my Creator. You may believe in God. You may even own a Bible. You may even talk religiously. But your lifestyle, the way you live, does not line up with who God is. You live for yourself. You do things your way. You just kind of fit God in there. And for some of you, you, maybe, maybe you're angry with God. Well, can I tell you that God loves you? There's a hope for you if you'll come to Jesus tonight. You've got to make a decision. This is one of the decisions of life. This is an eternal decision. This is going to affect where you go when you die. You're not right with God tonight, but I want to make an appeal to bring you to Jesus Christ and say a simple prayer with you that will simply bring you in a right standing with God. And if you're here and that's what you know you need, That's where you're at in your life. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Would you please pray with me? Say a prayer with me. I want you just to lift your hand up all across this place. I want to pray with you. God's dealing with you right now. You may even feel a little out of place. Like, man, but you know what? God's going to help you. I've been there. Best thing I ever did was go on record. Yep, I'm not right, but you know what? I'm ready to get right tonight. I'm ready for God to begin to heal my life, heal my marriage, heal my mind. Break my addictions. Take out my anger. Take out my bitterness. Root out the hurt, the loneliness, whatever it is. This is the miracle that God produces. We can't do this on our own. People are lining up to get their pills to deal with life. Pharmacists are ushering them out. Pills and pills and pills. Just to cope. You know what? What you need is to surrender to Jesus and you'll see the miracle of God that takes place. You're here. That's you. God's dealing with you right now. I want you to lift your hand up. I want to pray with you. Who would that be? God's dealing with you all across this assembly. You know what? I'm not right, but I'm ready to get right tonight. I'm ready to go on record, surrender my life to Jesus Christ. You say, that's me, Pastor Puglisi. Pray with me, please. Pray for me, please. Thank you so much. Who else? Others that God would call you to an honest assessment and you come to conclusion, You know, I'm not right with God, but I'm ready to get right. Or, or you may know exactly what I'm talking about, but you're totally backslidden. You, you bit the bait of, of hell, took you back to the world. But God says, I'll receive you the way you are. If you'll come, you're not right with God. You're ready to get right. God's waiting on you. This is your moment. He can change you. He can heal you. He can set you free. This is what you've been looking for. Look no longer, but you must come on God's terms. He's waiting for you. If that's you, you just lift your hand. Say, that's me. Would you pray with me? Who would that be? Very quickly, I feel God dealing with some hearts tonight. You say, that's me. That's where I'm living my life, but I'm ready to get right tonight. Would you pray with me? Lift your hand up. All across this place, God is dealing with you. You may even feel singled out. That's just the Spirit of God. Because all of heaven waits at a time like this. Waits on you. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Are they going to walk out and remain the same? Or will they enter into this life-changing moment? You're ready for that life-changing moment. Lift your hand up. God's dealing with you. Very quickly, before I change the order of the service, I want you to lift your hand up just to signify. I want you to pray with me. I need Jesus tonight. Who would that be? God's dealing with you. Backslider, come back. God's calling you tonight. Come back right now. God's dealing with you. Come to Jesus. What are you waiting for? Okay, you lifted your hand. Did you mean that? Yeah. So this is going to be it. You're going to come here. You're going to pray. And God's going to totally, you're going to just serve God, right? Okay, come. Now, before we open the altars, let me make an appeal on two levels. One is for those that, and there may have been legitimate reasons at the time, backed out of ministry, but have had no intention of getting back into ministry. You've lost the privilege of it is what it is. We come to the place where we just don't want the infringement. Well, that's not a good heart. That's not a good heart to be living for God with. Can God deal with you tonight about a place to serve long-term? Where does God want you serving in this congregation long-term? And also an appeal to those that you are in ministry, but perhaps status quo has said it. You've fallen into a rut. Could be a casual approach. Could be a carnal approach could be an entitlement approach, but God is calling you to resubmit your heart and fulfill your ministry that we would flourish at what we're doing and be willing to press in again, pay a price again, be available to sacrifice again, and God will raise you up and help you. So we're going to stand. If there's somebody around you that you don't recognize, you can talk to them about Jesus. Ask them if they'd like to pray. Otherwise, I'm asking you to come to the altars. We're standing to our feet and we're responding to God, responding to his word, responding to the challenge that's set before us tonight. This is important. And The longer that we serve God, the more humility should be becoming evident. The more that others should become more evident in our lives. Versus a selfish, live for me, do it my way approach. And just settle it at the altar. Just settle it. What is it that is holding you back? Maybe from getting in the ministry. And there may be some legitimate causes. And, and you may be one that you're just a prolific soul winner. And, and that keeps you plenty busy. But but I'm just saying, what are you doing currently for God That's serving the purposes of this congregation. That's the will of God. Can't give you all the specifics, but that's the will of God. Find a place and serve long term. You don't have to find five places or be busy out of your mind. Find a place, plug into it, become a blessing and a faithful fixture piece that God can build on that stays inspired over time maybe God has dealt with you you've lost the privilege, you're in ministry but you've lost the privilege of it it's become more of an entitlement or you're just kind of doing it, for some it's it's true, I know it's not for majority at all but for some it's it's just to maybe look more spiritual than you are Whatever it is tonight, let, let's just touch God. Let's just reinitiate an inspired heart. And yes, with that inspiration is going to come more work for you. Because to follow those inspirations is work. requires you to give yourself and be busy outside of the church investing in things that are going to bring into that ministry. If we're looking for just the ease and get into something, we don't have to do anything. And again, I challenge leaders on this. I challenge leaders on this. You have a responsibility to be developing the people in your ministry and always having the bar a little higher than they are and not playing favorites and having double standards when it comes to faithfulness. That we fulfill our ministry. Oh, God, we thank you so much for your faithful word, the challenge of your word. Lord, have access to our hearts tonight, Lord. God, have a right of way in this assembly, at this altar right now, God. Lord, stir afresh, Lord. Kindle the fires of inspiration in every heart and life. God, let us come as a living sacrifice, which is holy holy. An acceptable and a reasonable sacrifice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, rain upon us tonight, Lord. Take the fire of the altar and place it within us, God. Burn up the idle things in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Worthy to be praised. Why don't we stand to our feet right where you're at. Lift your hands. We're going to sing this song. I want you to contend for God's fresh anointing on your life tonight. I want you to contend for a fresh breakthrough of the Holy Spirit in your life as going to begin to translate into whatever you're doing for God. Uh, lift your hands, sing this song uh, together. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.
1: With a humble heart I come.
0: just lift your voices and worship God tonight. Lord, we thank you. Jesus, we magnify you in your holiness. Hallelujah, my Lord and my God, righteous and holy, my God, faithful and worthy. Hallelujah, wonderful God, there is none like You. Your name is great, O oh God. Hallelujah, thank You, Lord, thank You, Lord, Hallelujah, Lord. Thank God, Amen come, just like that song saying, humility, brokenness. humility, and brokenness. And I'm not talking about you go through a little dry spell, or you go through some things, and the inspiration wells dry up. That, that's part of the flow. I'm talking about we just kind of maintain any of those three fatal approaches that I'm talking about. Because we, we can do something about that. And even then, you know, if your well's dried up, figure out a way to get it going again. You know, it's our responsibility. Get stirred, get inspired. You know, Don't look just to, and I'll say this in close, don't look just to ride the coattails of those that are sacrificing and you're just kind of skirting along. No, find a way to sacrifice yourself. Find a way that you can invest in a way that challenges you to grow and to rise up and to give of yourself and require something of you to keep an edge in your life. No, it's not always easy. And I realize we live busy lives. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying be in 50 different ministries, but find something, settle it in, and flourish. Become a fixture piece. and God will use you. And it will be a powerful display of what God can do. Amen. We're going to close the service. Don't forget Spanish service tomorrow night. Uh, the outreach for Fall Festival, 7 o'clock Friday. Prayer and Outreach Saturday. And then the Edge um, the Edge, 8 o'clock Saturday night, and then Pastor Stevens will be back ministering in the Sunday School on the curses. Tremendous study. And then he'll be preaching both of the services. So let's come. Let's really believe God together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We are dismissing. We're rejoicing. Angel Montalogo is lifting his voice and dismissing us tonight. The Father God. We thank you for the work, Father God. Serve with a humble heart, Father God, that you would like that fire that once burned brightly for for you, O Lord, to serve in your ministry, Father
1: God, to do your will.